0: Welcome to a Backyard Ultra podcast. In this podcast, I caught up with Holly Ranson, who's the 12 hour Australian record holder with 136 kilometres. She's also into backyard ultras and is running at the Masters in June. Hope you enjoy it. Okay, good day, Holly. How are you going?
1: Good, thanks, Fado. How are
0: you? Yeah, good, thanks. So um, it was just over a week ago now that you ran, I think it was officially 136 point something k's in the good runnings 12 hour race um, congratulations
1: <laughs> thank you <laughs> um,
0: how and why did you pick that particular race
1: uh, well doing a track uh, time-based ultra had been on my agenda but I probably wasn't going to try one until next year uh but then uh, I think as you know Uh, I was doing the Hysterical Carnage Backyard Ultra in Loxton a few weeks beforehand and it got cancelled in the middle of the race, so I was sort of looking for something to use my fitness for and um, to get a sense of completion or, you know, having achieved something before the end of the year, I guess, so I thought I'd give it a crack and then, um, yeah, at least it would serve as a bit of practice for uh, any serious attempt that I might do next year.
0: Yeah. And was it close? Do you, you obviously live in Adelaide. Do you live near that track?
1: No, so I actually live in a town called Renmark, which is up on the Murray River um, at the border of Victoria and South Australia. So we're three hours away from
0: Adelaide. Ah, So you live pretty close to where the hysterical carnage was. Yes,
1: exactly, yes. You could call yeah. that a home race for me, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so 136 ks, that beats, well, that breaks the Australian record. In a twelve-hour timed race, was that the was it the plan to aim for the Australian record from the moment you entered?
1: Uh, no, it wasn't necessarily a plan to beat it at that event. I did have my eye on trying trying for it at some point, but I didn't think my first attempt at a time-based ultra and also on a uh, road essentially a road course as opposed to a track course I didn't think it would be viable so I guess my plan going into it was to uh, look at sitting on or around that record pace and seeing how many hours I could hold that for so I sort of knew how much I had to improve for next time but it sort of went better than planned.
0: (laughs) Um, It was a pretty um tough well, i mean, it was ha- harder than i thought because of because it was like on the path and it was there was it was pretty cambered and also leading up to the um bridges there were wa- there were like just some short and sharp hills so you as well as that it was 30 degrees when it started
1: yes yeah it, it definitely wasn't as uh, straightforward as maybe a track ultra um, and I also found that the amount of people out on the course not participating in the race especially that first evening was um that was another challenge getting around all of them and their remote controlled cars and their dogs and their bikes and all that sort of stuff but uh, it just added a, an extra interesting element to it didn't
0: it yeah yeah I forgot about the I forgot all about that remote controlled car When everyone's was going past I was really worried that they were gonna like just go forward and yep. trip you over.
1: exactly I was thinking the same thing
0: yeah <laughs> and so that full the full sun was like two and a half hours into the race did that affect your strategy
1: not terribly I actually do quite well in the heat and that first day in the Loxton back ultra was like that all day long um so I just have a strategy of using pantyhose and putting ice blocks in there and then I'll just tuck that into my sports bra and I find that cools me down really well so I just use that for those first couple of hours and then it cooled off
0: yeah yeah cool the um and nutrition wise how many days leading up to the race did you start preparing yourself
1: uh probably about 48 hours that's my my usual sort of carbo load period yeah
0: yeah so is it were you just like would you say a carb load like um like what type of things were you eating and stuff like that
1: uh i mostly try to stick to really simple food like rice and tuna which is pretty boring um but i'll eat white bread uh, pasta um anything with not much fiber in it so i was trying to just yeah no fruit no vegetables no whole grains and being a dietitian that's really hard for me because i know <laughs> i think it's really unhealthy but i try to think of it as in it's sports nutrition and this is just what you have to do to get the best result at the race because you don't want to be stopping the port too often in a race like that
0: <laughs> yeah yeah well i saw according to strava you were moving for 11 hours and 57 minutes and 30 seconds i think so you obviously didn't have to stop much.
1: No, I stopped twice to use the loo and once when we turned around, when we changed direction, I just stopped and um, put my ear pods in and, um, yeah. yeah, occasionally I had to stop to pick up a drink bottle or something like that. But, no, I tried to keep moving the whole time, really
0: yeah and did you drive down that morning or did you stay in town overnight? Uh,
1: we drove down the friday night before and slept um i'm lucky enough that my in-laws have a place in adelaide so uh, we slept there and then just had a really quiet day all day saturday but it's quite unusual starting at 6 p.m isn't it you don't really know what you should do during the yeah. day yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah i struggled with that i didn't know really know what i should be eating and stuff like that so i had like a brunch and then I didn't really eat much else, so I was a bit hungry at the start. So yeah, <laughs> not
1: a good way to start. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you, How? what did you eat like on the day leading into the race? Uh,
1: I think I had a fairly normal sort of breakfast, just some white toast with peanut butter or honey or something, um, and then a few little snacks throughout the day. And then I tried to have uh, a decent-sized meal about three hours before the start, so around yeah. about three o'clock I think I had a bowl of rice and and tuna and then I actually felt really full and I thought oh this is going to be horrible I'm going to be starting with a full stomach but I think nerves overtake you and you've got so much else to think about that it wasn't even on my mind when we started the race.
0: Yeah I was going to ask that like so was the aim to be feeling full or was it? Not
1: really no but just to have my um, glycogen or carbohydrate stores as full as as possible because I knew it was going to be challenging to eat a lot during that race with the heat and with the sort of relative intensity I suppose um, yeah. So yeah I was trying to go in fully fully stocked.
0: yeah and and what were you like kind of like so obviously like you weren't worried about the heat because you said you were used to it but during the race did you eat anything or were you just drinking
1: uh, I did. The first few hours, I was able to have a bit of solid food. So I just made some um, sandwiches with honey or peanut butter or Vegemite and cut them up into little squares. So I had a few of those. And uh, I used those pre-made waffles. Um, so I had a half one of those and a few lollies. Uh, but yeah, after maybe five hours or so, I couldn't stomach the solid food anymore. So I just went to Tailwind and Gels. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. And mentally did you go through any low points during that 12 hours
1: yeah definitely I think around just a bit after midnight those couple hours there between 1 and 2 a.m were, were quite challenging um, I knew that I had a buddy runner coming to run with me starting from 2 a.m so I just focused on um, you've only got to get through these two hours and then he'll be there and that'll be a, a pick-me-up. So just yeah. um, tried to break it down into small chunks and get through it. But I was so lucky that I had some really good support crew there and they'd encourage me every time I came past the start line and, yeah, just tell me to keep going and that helped a lot.
0: Yeah. So, like, do you remember anything, like, specifically, like, that was going through your mind? Like, were you, like, wanting to slow down or kind of, like, wanting to rest or anything like that?
1: yeah wanting to stop um i started to get a cramp in my right calf and i stopped a couple of times just to stretch that out but i was thinking oh gosh if this properly cramps you know i could be out I could, you know this could be the end of my race and you know we're six hours in what a shame you know and you do get bogged down in those negative thoughts um and the pain but um thankfully i've managed to just run through it and uh yeah it didn't it didn't get any worse during the race
0: Yeah and during the actual race were there periods when you like your body was like really like when did your body start hurting like how long were you running through pain?
1: Uh, Probably got about six hours in where it was it was pretty okay um feeling pretty all right and then yeah started to um just yeah not injury uh pain or anything but just the pain of um, not stopping and, and, yeah, Yeah, going
0: at that intensity for such a long time. Like muscle fatigue kind of. Yeah, definitely, Um, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And so you broke the Australian record by by running that 136 Ks.
1: Yeah.
0: Previous record is listed as 133, but I'm still not sure, like, Due to a technical technicality, it might not be officially recognised. Is that, have you got further news um, on that?
1: <laughs> well, I'm hoping it will be. I rang up uh, the person that's in charge of records at Aura um, and I spoke to her and she said that the issue with the three people of the same gender had come up in a race in June or July, which I eventually determined was that um, invitational track championships, the 24 hour race in Canberra, where funnily enough, the lady that holds the record that I have broken potentially, she was going for a 24 hour record, but then they informed her that she wouldn't be eligible because there weren't three women in the race. And so she ended up pulling out. It was a bit of a controversy. Um, So apparently they, Aura then um, brought up that that rule with um, the IAU that overseas um the world records and they've apparently gotten rid of the rule now so even though it's still on the aura website it isn't a rule that they follow anymore um so it sounds like it should all be ratified just gotta get all the official paperwork in and wait for Aura to approve it yeah
0: well that's that's awesome then isn't it Yeah, yeah
1: it's good news it was a bit of a relief i i just um yeah i was a bit nervous about it like you go to a lot of effort. obviously i wasn't planning to break the record when i started out but then you sort of don't want it to be passed over just because of some strange rule like i mean it wouldn't have mattered how many women were in that race i still would run the same distance so yeah yeah it seems like a, a strange rule to be um yeah ruled out over
0: yeah and um i think it's bernadette benson so she actually didn't run at the um at the 24-hour race because of that rule a few months ago? Oh,
1: from what I've read, she ran it for about seven hours and then she got informed of that rule and she pulled out.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. Gee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, how did you get into that kind of like record-breaking condition?
1: Well, I think I had trained fairly well for Loxton uh, because I had really been focusing on that. And then, of wow. course, that day well, over those 30 hours, uh, we ran 200Ks. So I guess that was, you know, it was a bit of a confidence boost that I could do that sort of distance. Um, And I really actually didn't train a whole heap between Loxton and the the 12 hour. I just sort of probably took a week off to recover and then did a bit of gentle running in between. But I think you just have that residual fitness from the the training prior to that.
0: Yeah, yeah. so i guess most of your training was leading up to the backyard ultra then and Mm -hmm. what type of um long runs were you doing to prepare for that
1: Um, i don't do anything crazy i've got quite a lot of things on my plate so time is an issue for me so i think the longest um training run i did in the backyard ultra format was i did five laps on the course or one of the courses. I went over to Loxton several times before the race, but every time I did a recce, that would then change the course because the floodwaters kept coming up and up. (laughs) So on one of the variations of the course, I think I did five laps and I didn't probably quite wait for the entire hour to pass, but just sat down for five minutes or so um, in between laps. Um, So yeah, 35 Ks, that was probably my longest training run right
0: oh, okay and um how, by the way have you how have you pulled up from the 12-hour race
1: strangely probably worse than i have for, from any other event actually i've i think i've pulled a bit of all well, that calf i told you that i um felt like i was cramping in that's not been the same since and i think i've got an infection in one of my toes oh. so i haven't actually been able to to run since that race which is about eight days now and that's probably the longest I've been without running in a really long time so
0: wow okay have you seen anyone about it or
1: (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) I'm pretty hopeless like that there's also not that many services out here like where we live it's yeah um not not great access to medical services at the best of times but now half the roads are cut off because of the floods and um um, you know just work and whatever I tend to be of the opinion that it'll sort itself out in in due course. I probably should do though.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, can you tell us a bit about your background as well? Because I know that you've like been involved in cycling and triathlons and all that type of stuff. And can you, can you just tell me all about (laughs) your (laughs) history?
1: Yeah, well, I actually grew up sailing. So that was my first sport and I still do sail um, a little bit. Um, I probably didn't get into endurance sports until I was about 18 or 19 and I had a partner at that time who was into ultra running funnily enough Um, so I got into running but not really ultra running Um, just you know your 10k fun runs and that sort of thing Um, and from there I had some neighbors that were into triathlon so they convinced me to to start doing a few tries so I got into that and really, really loved that and ended up a few years later, um, got my pro licence and raced a couple of seasons as a pro doing the Ironman 70.3 distance races um, and went overseas to do an ITU long course world in the States. Um, But then I got injured. I had quite a few stress fractures while I was doing that and um, found that fairly frustrating. So I ended up Um, switching to cycling, and probably did four or five years um, racing in the National Road Series and some some of the state um, competitions in SA and Queensland, Um, and then moved up to Darwin and kind of just dabbled in a bit of everything and not really doing anything seriously um, until I found a couple of trail races in Alice Springs, which I travelled down to do over the last few years and and really loved that. and then moved to South Australia at the end of last year and just thought, oh, I better get into doing something. What what can I do? And um, in Adelaide, obviously, there's a lot of great trails. And I stumbled across Sean Kaysler's series and entered a couple of his events. And, uh, you know, you kind of get hooked from there. And, yeah, now back into ultra running full time, I guess.
0: And when you were doing triathlon, was the running leg your best or...? Not yes,
1: I would say um, probably was and that, that's probably why I got so frustrated with the injuries um, because it, it would take me so long to get back to where I was in running um, after that time off. So, and yeah, because I wasn't as strong on the other legs, you know, to have my best, best leg, um, yeah. Um, not going so well because of the injuries, I just thought, oh, you know, triathlons is a thing that people can do at all ages. I'll, I'll give it a miss for now and I might get back into it when I'm a bit older, um, but yeah. it's just never, never eventuated.
0: And you mentioned stress fractures. Would have those been caused by running, like when you were training for triathlons?
1: Um, yeah, I'd say it's probably a combination of running and suboptimal nutrition and Um, At the time, I was studying full time and I was also working three jobs, but they were all jobs uh, where I was like fitness instructing. So I was jumping around and running around a lot and I was commuting by bike. So basically, I was pretty much active all day except when I was sitting in a lecture and not eating enough, not taking care of myself well enough. So, yeah, a bit of combination.
0: Yeah. Um Yeah. Another question about the 12-hour race. Yeah. Did you actually set yourself a target, like, or did you just want to see how far you could go?
1: I wanted to see how far I could go or how long I could maintain the pace. So initially my plan was to start off at about 5 minute 20 pace, which was just ahead of the record pace. But I did a couple of laps to start off at about 5.10 and I thought, oh, this feels all right. I'll just maintain this and I'll get a bit of a buffer ahead of the the record pace and you know that will help me out if i need to stop to go to the loo or anything um and then i just felt that i could maintain that pace so i just kept going <laughs> kept going and it did start to slow down towards the end but once i had enough of a buffer on the record that i realized that i could break it if if nothing catastrophic happened that was sort of when the pressure came on, and I thought, well, right now you can do it. It's only X amount of laps until we break the record, and you know, just counting down. So, yeah, but that probably wasn't till about uh, with maybe four hours to go. I thought, yeah, it's feasible now. I think I can do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think you lapped me about twenty times.
1: <laughs> yeah, there was uh, well, there were some other people nice. out there that I, I went. Passed a lot of times, but <laughs> kudos to them for doing it. I think I I don't think I could walk the whole way like some of the competitors did. Yeah. I would have just, i get so bored. So I think that they did a great effort to keep going the
0: whole way. One night. thing I noticed about um, like your technique with at night time, I could always tell it was you when you were on the other side of the lake because your headlight was so level the whole time. <laughs> and um compared to others like they bounce up and down but yours was just like a straight line and um i think that that i've heard that that's like a a a sign of good running technique
1: ah that's really interesting because i feel like it it bounces a lot but um I do work a lot on my strength and stability because I think ha- having been so injury prone in the past, is probably one of the keys for me to be able to do those longer events. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I do, do a fair bit of strength work and that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. And um, I, I, I see on Strava you still do a lot of cycling and stuff like mm. that.
1: Does yeah. Does that
0: help, that, that help you with your running too or?
1: yeah I think so um I think it's a way of getting in those base kilometers that aerobic work without putting too much impact on the body and I've always been a bit scared of getting up to the higher mileages running because every time I do I get a stress fracture so I think the bike just helps me maintain that fitness without putting all that stress through the body Um, Mm. and, and I like to keep my hand in because uh, seems to be that i <laughs> change sports on a fairly regular basis so you never know when you might <laughs> might want to go back to cycling but it's also just a good social thing like i don't have anyone here that i run with but there's a group of guys that i ride with so i like to do it from the social perspective
0: yeah i was going to say it looks like you enjoy it like you're often riding in groups so yeah
1: yeah yeah that's a big motivation for that i think
0: and when you're running Um, do you make training do you do much speed work or is it mainly it's a slower pace when you're practicing
1: I try to uh I probably max out at two sessions a week though and that's probably not all that often um yeah again that's another thing that I like to have people around me to do and when we were living in Darwin we did have a track session with the the tri club which was really good, um, just, you know, having the motivation with other people around you. Um, it's harder to do it on your own. But, yeah, I do try to usually if I'm not recovering or tapering for something, I will have one to two sessions in the week where I do some intervals.
0: Mm. And I also noticed, I don't know if this is right, but on your Strava, on your cycling, it says that you've done over a million metres in elevation. Do you reckon that's yeah, right?
1: right. I don't know. Well, certainly not in the last year, because Renmark, you can't find a place in Australia probably that's flatter than Renmark. And prior to this I lived in Darwin and that you could say pretty much the same thing about that. Um but before then I did a lot of cycling in the Adelaide Hills and the Gold Coast hinterland. So yeah, it's possible, maybe. <laughs> could be just a garment, <laughs> yeah. you know how they sometimes go crazy, but
0: um and so with the hysterical carnage was it the backyard ultra format were you attractive did you want to do a backyard ultra or did you think you would do it just because it was near you
1: (laughs) yeah that was the first thing um i think when we moved here about a year ago the first story we saw in the paper was about this crazy race in Loxton that had just been held the week before we got here. And uh, I thought, oh, that's interesting. I've never heard of a race like that before. And then over the 12 months I found out what Backyard ultra was and how it all worked and, yeah, but the first thing was like, yeah, there's a running race nearby here. I better do that next year.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, you obviously got yourself in some pretty good condition going into it. It's a shame it was cancelled. Like what was that what was the weather like when it was cancelled? Was it just off its head? Uh,
1: pretty much, yeah. About four laps before it we had a huge downpour, like it was just torrential, torrential rain and sort of flash flooding over the course because some of it was trail, you know, it was like calf high water and some of it was flowing fairly quickly and it had washed out sections of the trail underneath. So it was pretty treacherous really and I thought oh I wonder if they're going to cancel it because it's quite dangerous out here but we got back to the start line and um they were like no nah, it's, it's a trail race you just run you know no matter what and so that was kind of the mindset that I adopted and it's like right well we don't need to think about cancelling anymore we just gotta keep going no matter what the conditions were and then I actually dried up and it was fine for a couple of laps and then. I suppose well it was probably like 30 where um the next thunderstorm rolled through and there was so much lightning it was pretty impressive really um mm. i wasn't scared that it was going to strike me because obviously there's lots of trees and um other taller structures around than me so i just thought it was a cool spectacle but um i can understand how it would have scared other people. And then once after we finished that lap, they told us, oh, we're going to wait for an hour and see what happens and we might send you out again, Um, sort of in the tent. And then the wind started. And I was lucky that we had probably a dozen people that had come over to watch and all of them are holding the corner. We had two, um, three-meter gazebos there, and they were just about to be blown away. So had people standing on each corner holding it down, like yeah like being in a tornado sort of thing but um, yeah we didn't even wait out the hour before they decided that that's it we're not gonna keep going
0: yeah um and it sounds like it was like a one in 100 year storm like it was so unlucky
1: yeah i've heard people um say because that sort of crossed the whole state and i've heard people from adelaide say it's the worst storm they've seen in like 30 years or something yeah it was pretty wild i mean all the power was cut out to a lot of adelaide and lots and lots of trees down and that sort of thing um so yeah the the chances of that happening on that one day we wanted to to run i don't know yeah it was just a freak day i guess
0: so 30 hours in it gets cancelled like how are you feeling at that stage like
1: um Like, I was was feeling good. I had um, a friend of mine had come down. She's a bone therapist, and she'd been working on me because I'd been having a few ITV issues around lap 26, Um, and and she'd come down and done a lot of work on me. And lap 29, I felt the best of the race. Like, I did a 41-minute lap, which was significantly faster than I'd been doing all the other laps. Um, And, yeah, it felt a million bucks, and I was okay on lap 30. Um, But... Yeah. Then when I heard that it had been cancelled, I was just I was mainly confused because it was all so sudden and strange. And I had been in the tent, um, you know, trying to keep out of the weather and kind of isolated from where the people were that were sort of making the decisions. And um, there wasn't really a sort of official um chat with everyone or letting everyone know. It just kind of happened. And um, yeah, I was just first of all confused and then devastated and angry and just couldn't believe it. Like, yeah, <laughs> that was, yeah I don't know. How do you explain something like that? So completely unexpected. Um, it, yeah, it was just weird.
0: And were you trying to, were you putting in like quicker laps because you wanted to like try and sleep between loops or anything like that or you just wanted more rest or was there a reason for going a bit faster no true.
1: no i was holding a very similar pace the whole way through 43 or 44 minute laps um yeah. and i had stopped having to look at my watch because my body was just going at the same pace without me even trying and then it was just it just so happened that i felt so good on that lap 29 that i went faster um again yeah. yeah, i wasn't looking at my watch to know what pace i was doing um, I, I had originally planned to go a bit faster overnight and try and get some sleep, but uh, I don't know, it just didn't really happen. It's not a fast course or not the, the flood affected version of the course is not fast. So um, I would have had to probably expend a lot more effort to get a couple more minutes. And being my first backyard ultra, I wasn't, I haven't practiced the technique of trying to go to sleep in that, you know, in that time timeframe. Um, and I found it really difficult. So I think it would have probably been, um, it it would have just wasted my energy really to try and go that little bit faster and then still not be able to go to sleep.
0: Yeah. So you hadn't reached a stage yet where you were like feeling tired and trying to sleep. It was just like, you were just kind of resting between loops at that stage, were you or?
1: Yeah, I was just resting. Um, I had tried to sleep during the night um, so probably there was probably at least six laps there where I tried to lie down and go to sleep and I think probably managed to actually fall asleep for the last two minutes of the last time I tried. Yeah. So I guess, you know, that's a positive sign for next yeah. time. But I didn't really feel too tired. I think you can probably get away with, oh, yeah, maybe 36 hours just on the adrenaline and that sort of thing. And we were so lucky with the where they changed moved the course to... In the middle of the caravan park we had access to the amenities right next to the finish line so i actually it would go to the shower block and have a shower and i did that probably three or four times over the course of the race oh, cool. and that really helped with feeling more awake and refreshed i think
0: yeah i know um phil gore he loves having a shower between <laughs> some loops as well it works yeah
1: well that's where i first got the idea like i have watched all the docos on phil and everything yeah and, um, we took we had a solar shower that we took with us intending to use that but yeah the amenities they were so handy to just have that caravan caravan park facility there and yeah feels right it is it, a really good technique and i couldn't believe more people weren't doing it i sort of talked to them out on the course about what I'd done and and yeah, got everyone else onto it, I think after yeah. a while. <laughs>
0: yeah. And what type of um nutrition were you like were you eating much between loops? Like did you um yeah, well how did you handle that?
1: Yeah, I um I took a handheld bottle out on each lap and I had some tailwind in there and I had um a little packet of lollies in my pocket so I try and get some of those down during each lap and then between laps I would have, I just had a range of sort of snacky things that I could pick from like uh, little packets of salt vinegar chips, um, the waffles, Uh, I'd get some of my support crew to make me a sandwich with Nutella or uh, peanut butter or something. yeah, they were probably the main things in the morning, like about six AM. I got to make me some hash browns, which was good. I think I had some two minute noodles during the night. Yeah, probably just the usual things that people use. I think.
0: Yeah, and so what about? Do you remember what about what time it was? It was was it about four or five o'clock that it was cancelled. So you got yeah. through one night. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was coming into the next night. I think you're right. It was four or five o'clock.
0: Yeah. No, it would have um, been awesome to get into a second night.
1: Oh, it would have been such a test because by that stage, because of all the rain, everything was soaked. There was not a dry spot like inside the tent. The floor was disgusting. All my clothes were wet. And, you know, that was probably the same or similar scenario for nearly everyone. So I think that really would have separated, (laughs) you know, people who were willing to tough it out and people who weren't.
0: (laughs) Was there a stage in any parts of the race where you thought oh, it's starting to get hard now or because you know with backyard ultras they say it's easy until it's not like <laughs> yeah. was, it, was it easy still for you when it was 30 hours
1: uh, i've been through a tough patch so around that 26 like 26 ish when i have the itb issue and that's um it's pretty a painful sort of injury and yeah i had my doubts because i've experienced that in training mm-hmm. runs and it's been terminal basically i can't run on it so i was starting to get worried but um, once I had done some work with the bone oh. therapist, it, um, yeah, completely went away and, and I was feeling good at the end.
0: Yeah. And how do you, or when you get ITB, like, do you go on one of those foam roller things and stuff like that or how do you fix it?
1: yeah well there isn't well I don't know why I did have a foam roller and that was one of my strategies I've got a Theragun um I started the race with both my ITVs taped and I know that's probably a placebo effect (laughs) I have looked for studies you know explaining whether it's effective or not and I don't really think there's a lot of evidence on it but even if it just makes you feel more confident then it's a good thing um so I yeah use the um kinesiology tape and um, yeah, when the bone therapist started working on me, um, she started lo- loosening off my psoas muscles and, um, yeah, helping me stretch out my glutes and calves and, yeah, I think probably just more stretching is, is the key to yeah. not letting it happen again.
0: Yeah. Do you do much, like, yoga and stuff like that or...?
1: No, no, I'm pretty terrible at that sort of stuff. I have started doing some mobility stuff since then um, and it's definitely on my agenda to really work on that because obviously that is going to be the limiting factor for me. Like I've got the aerobic fitness and I've got the mental strength, so the only thing that's going to stop me is my body breaking down. So mm. um, I'm going to keep working with the bone therapist and um, really try and, come up with some mobility and stretching routines that'll keep my body going for another 30 hours hopefully
0: (laughs) (laughs) um so when you get the ITB do you feel it all the way from your hip down to your knee or is it is isolated in the knee or any
1: it starts off just in the knee and then it kind of radiates it comes around the back of my leg and it sort of went right into my hamstring after a while and Mm. that was um Yeah, when I said to Naomi, oh, now it feels like my hamstring's really tight. And then she started massaging basically in the lower portion of my stomach which feels really strange but she said I'm releasing like your deep glute muscles the psoas and that sort of thing and um yeah that was that was sort of what the key was to making it go away and I just and did some activation exercises for my my glutes she brought down a little stretchy band and she said you put this around your ankles and do a few hip abductions um and yeah that supposedly activates your glutes and it definitely worked
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and are there any other elements of the Backyard Ultra format that, um, that you think you can improve in, like that you learn from and that you're going to um, use next time?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, we actually took my um, bike trainer and bike down there because we had a theory that There'd come a time where um, I wanted to stay warm between laps rather than sitting down and getting cold and stiff. Um, But I never got a chance to use that. So I'm really keen to try and implement that again sometime. Um, I think there's lots of opportunities because it's quite a new format and people sort of just copying what the pioneers of it have been doing. But there's not always a lot of lateral thinking around um, what can be done by the support crew. Um, to help in between laps. So uh, one of the things my partner did was come up with a device that dries shoes. So it was like a a blower vac thing with these two pipes attached to it and you stick the shoes in there um, because we knew it was going to be wet. Um, So, yeah, definitely things like that that are going to help with your gear. I mean, again, being in the caravan park, they were able to do loads of washing for me, but you know, if we were going to a place where that wasn't possible, I'd definitely have to bring more clothing um, because that turned over a lot quicker than I was expecting. Um, but yeah, I think that most most of the strategies we had worked really well. Um, I think it is a lot easier in a backyard ultra. your fueling and that sort of thing than say in the 12 hour because you're just at such a lower intensity and you've got that time to stop and regroup and talk to your support crew and to tell them what you need whereas in the 12 hour there's there's no stopping it's hard to communicate with with your crew and yeah a lot more challenges i think
0: yeah i remember in one of the um stages of the 12-hour race i think you must have missed Miss, must have missed a drink so, so one of your crew was chasing you to get get it to you
1: yes he did he yeah it probably takes me for 800 meters and yeah. i'm really crazy like it's only a two and a half k lap if i miss a bottle it doesn't matter i'll come back and get it next lap yeah. but yeah they they take it very seriously in my support crew, <laughs> very good at what they do
0: yeah <laughs> uh, how many pairs of shoes did you take to hysterical carnage
1: I took six pairs of shoes, but realistically, two of them were like emergency pairs. They had well past their best running days, but I just took them because I thought even a worn out pair of shoes is gonna be better than a sopping wet pair of shoes if it comes to that. But I ended up not using, I think I mainly used two pairs and maybe put a third pair on for one lap or so, but um, yeah. But by the time it got that wet, it wouldn't have mattered which shoes you wore because they were going to be soaking wet five minutes after you left the tent anyway. So mm. um yeah, yeah, that was that was my shoe strategy. It would be more
0: <laughs> of something just to do between loops, I think, changing shoes just for something to do.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it, it does feel a bit different and yet yeah, it just distracts you for a minute. Um mm. so yeah, I was changing shoes just between those two pairs a few times and changing clothes and um, yeah, there was probably more to do when it was hot on that first day, because we get out the the Mr bottle and the fan and take my shoes off, make sure my feet got dry and all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas after it started raining, it was more just huddled down and try to stay warm and dry. And yeah,
0: I was actually thinking about that, um, drying shoe thing you mentioned before. And, um. I was thinking, like, maybe a good idea is like, you know, those hand warmers you can buy? Yes. Like, buy a whole, like, buy a few of those and put them in your spare Mm -hmm. pair of wet shoes to dry them out between loops.
1: Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Mm. Um, What had been suggested to us before the race from a friend of ours who used to be in the military, he said, put them in the footwell of your car and turn the heater on full blast, Mm. Um, which would be effective if your car was close to your tent but otherwise maybe not so much
0: (laughs) (laughs) so um did you have I think I saw a photo of your setup did you actually have a caravan set up no we
1: didn't have a caravan we had two of the three by three gazebos one which had walls all the way around it um and we were positioned perfectly right next to the finish line
0: yeah Um, um and with that that bike, exercise bike thing is a good idea.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a shame I never really got to use it. But I think by the time I needed it was the time that I also needed the massages and the body work doing. So we sort of never, never really got to it. But I think for someone that's used to doing that kind of thing, it's a good strategy maybe it's probably not something you'd start if you had never ridden a bike before but yeah yeah. (laughs) i think for me it would probably work all right
0: yeah because the um hardest parts of a backyard ultra i think is getting up again after the rest because you're feeling all stiff and like you get cold and stuff like that and when you watch footballers they'll like when they come off the ground they'll that's exactly what they do they'll just like sit on their exercise bike and just keep keep their legs moving
1: yeah that's exactly what i thought and we were lucky with the weather i never actually really got cold but having watched some of those documentaries um say from the western australian races um i think yeah that would be a real issue for me i don't like the cold i do well in the heat but not in the cold so uh, definitely if if that had been um a threat of sitting down and getting cold i think the bike would have really come in handy then
0: yeah the and i see that you've um You've signed up for the masters in june
1: yes sucker for punishment uh yeah um one of the other um five people that were left at loxton um johan uh, that was what he was trying to qualify for and i actually didn't know existed before i spoke to him about it and he said oh you should get an entry so kind of got my arm twisted and yeah. i just yeah i think it'll be an amazing opportunity to run against some of the best people in australia and, and maybe the world and yeah. yeah if you can't find your limits doing something like that with those kind of people where can you
0: yeah yeah yeah. that would be <laughs> awesome do you think yep. you'll take your, ex, your exercise bike with you
1: probably not we i think what we're going to do is hire a camper van and drive over there which is like it's a probably a two and a half day drive so it's a yeah. fair commitment but you know we don't like to do these things in halves
0: yeah that's awesome. <laughs> um because yeah this field is so good like you'll be up against like that Harvey Lewis all Mm. all the best um back out ultras in Australia are going to go so yeah you'll definitely be able to find how far you actually can go
1: yeah yeah I really hope that I have a good um first 30 laps like I did in Loxton because yeah it'll be be frustrating if I encounter some trouble earlier Mm. I, I was saying to my partner I can't imagine being in a backyard um, ultra where nobody drops out in the first 24 hours.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, have you watched the documentary about Dead Cow Gully and the scene footage of the course? It looks so good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've watched it twice actually. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see the night and day loop. I, obviously, Loxton only has the one, so I haven't done one with a, a day loop and a night loop yet so I'm excited to see what that looks like and what sort of difference it makes to the mindset
0: as well yeah yeah I was wondering about that it's going to be good I hope I get I've got a back out ultra in Feb so I really want to qualify for it yeah which one's
1: yeah. that in February
0: um there's one called um MVP um Maribyrnong Valley, Valley Park I think it stands for. Yeah. It's um it's a pretty hard one though because um it's in the middle of summer yeah. and it's also got a lot of elevation. It's like 160 meters every loop. So Wow. Yeah.
1: Um, Far out.
0: But my best is twenty-two, so I, I I'm I know I can do better than that. Yeah. I, yeah. You'll I get there. An, I might take an exercise bike and <laughs> yeah do it
1: (laughs) (laughs) you probably won't need it It won't be very cold in february (laughs) (laughs) but it's victoria so maybe
0: (laughs) do you have any other um backyard ultras lined up before the masters
1: not before the masters no i've got a couple of other events lined up and then i think i'll probably do loxton again because i have to it's my home race (laughs) and because i've got a free entry now after what happened this year
0: yeah Well, what else? What else do you have lined up? Uh, um, so
1: in March, I'm going out to Tassie to do a race called Gone Nuts, which is a hundred k trail race, point to point. Um, and then in April, we're going to the US. I'm going to do the Boston Marathon. Yeah. Um, so that's the first half of the year. But yeah, before. Um, before the masters, I was hoping to squeeze a 24 hour track race in there somewhere, but they're all around about the same time as the masters. So it's not going to work out. I don't think.
0: Yeah. And the one in Coburg is in April when the, when you're going to the Boston be... marathon
1: is on. Yeah. <laughs> so That's all right. I'll leave it for
0: 2024. Yeah. <laughs> Any, um, have you done many marathons?
1: Um, no, I think Boston will be number five or six. Yeah. Not, not oh. huge numbers.
0: Yeah, but you've broken three hours, haven't you? You've-
1: yes, I just managed to do that in the Adelaide Marathon earlier this year.
0: Hmm. Are you are you approaching Boston as something you want to like have like a do a PB or anything like that, or is it more of an experience kind of? <laughs> uh,
1: a bit of both. I'm not putting any pressure on myself to do a PB because I think the course will be very crowded. Yeah. Uh, but also, I think if you're going to do it, that would be a good place. To do it because it's a net downhill race and the, the crowds will just be amazing i think um but yeah i'm just trying to go there with not too much expectation and, and just enjoy the whole experience rather than um you know not being able to enjoy it because i'm in so much pain <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> did you have to um th- Were you lucky to get into that race? Like I hear it's pretty hard to get into the Boston Marathon.
1: Um, Well, I think if you run a qualifying time, so for women in my age group, I think the qualifying time is three and a half hours. So you put in your um, application of interest or whatever they call it and then they basically select it from the top down. So the quickest qualifiers and I think they want a diverse range of nationalities and that sort of thing. So I guess because I had a, a reasonably quick time, um, yeah, I probably had a, a fairly decent chance of getting in, but it's the first time I've ever applied for it. So yeah, it was um, a nice surprise to, to get in.
0: Yeah. Did you do Melbourne Marathon this year?
1: No, no, I didn't. No,
0: no. fair enough. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> um, and as far, oh, are you going to do the Good Runnings 12-hour next year again?
1: <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I um, I did enjoy it. It's not that, but I there's so many ultra races to do and so little time because obviously it takes a long time to recover from one and to train for one. Um, so I think my limit's about six in a year. So yeah. I want to try six different races um, and, yeah, get the the most possible experiences with different locations and different formats and um, different race organizers that that I can get so it's rare for me to go back and do the same race again
0: yeah I I remember you mentioned that you've got a um a trail run or a trail race overseas as well lined up or am I
1: Getting that um, No, I have in the pipeline, I, I want to do Tarawira uh, 100 in New Zealand. Oh, it, yes. That'll be February 2024. Oh, so, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Um, just the one in Tassie this year. And then I think I'll do the 100K National Champs, uh, which is in Canberra this year. Uh, and then I'd like to have a go at the Black Oil 100 in Queensland as well.
0: Oh, yeah, cool, yeah. It's pretty good. I'm excited that you're looking um, looking forward to the future to doing a 24-hour race.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's silly, isn't it? I-, I was wondering, would it be twice as much pain as the 12-hour, do you think, or, or less? <laughs> well,
0: I was thinking during that race, like I've done one 24-hour race before. I did like 163 and I'm doing it the one in Coburg again next year yeah but the one in uh, the 12 hour you never remember what it's like until you're actually doing it yeah uh, like, <laughs>
1: yep.
0: and during that 12 hours I was just thinking like I'm not running again for the rest of the year
1: yeah
0: <laughs> um, well, I don't it was, well, I don't even know why I'm doing this <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. that's always a question you ask yourself when it gets tough like why am I even out here lots of people are well, for us during that 12-hour, it would be most people are in bed or, you know, they're sitting yeah. on their couch watching TV and we're out here like some crazy idiots running around around in circles. <laughs> <laughs> or there was, um, did you see the, the drunk guy on the course stumbling around at one point?
0: Yeah, and he, yeah. he was out there for a while actually, wasn't he? Yeah, there was a yeah. bit, I was worried that like... Um, He was going to swing, take a swing at me when I was running past him. Yeah, it
1: did make you a bit nervous, and I thought maybe there'll be more because it is a Saturday night in Glenelg. It's nearly Christmas. You know, there might be a lot of people walking home from having a big night out. Um, But I don't know, I think it was just him, and I was more worried I was going to run into him because he was staggering all over the path.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you definitely would have felt safer when you had... um, Running with your buddy—that's yeah, just,
1: definitely, yeah, yeah.
0: um, yeah—and there were also like going over the bridge as well. There were like cars going past, and you know, I was a little bit worried that like someone would—I was maybe being paranoid—I was worried that someone would come jump out and beat me up.
1: Yeah right. No, I I tried not to to think about that. <laughs> uh, maybe yeah, I had my my music in most of the time, so I wouldn't have even yeah. heard if someone was going to approach me and, and bash me up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> was um was um listening to music? Is that something that you were like you were listening? Were you listening to music from the very start, or was there a point in the race where you thought I need my music now? I'm gonna.
1: Yeah, Yeah. no, I, when I, when we first started, I didn't, I usually try to save it for a bit into the race for a bit of a pick me up, but Mm. it was quite lonely because I was expecting there to be more competitors. Uh, and also because there was no one running at the same pace as me, like in a back ultra, you kind of chatting and, you know, the time passes quickly, whereas I thought, oh, I'm going to need my music almost straight away because it's going to be pretty boring out here with no one to chat to. Yeah. Uh, but I waited until we turned around for the first time. So I think that was three hours in. Um, and then I had it on most of the rest of the time except for um, bits of when I had my buddy runner there mm-hmm. as well
0: yeah Uh, what music is on your playlist
1: (laughs) Uh, terrible taste in music um it's mostly australian 80s rock and then a bit of like pop from the 90s and 2000s like when i was in high school type of thing i I like to listen to stuff that's really well known um or that, that i know really well there's something about that knowing how it's going to go i think um that yeah just sits well um, with me when I'm running. I did try, as, as Phil Gore said, you know, about the uh, audio books, I downloaded a few and I couldn't stand it while I was running. It just just didn't go right. So, yeah, yeah. music I think is um, a lot more motivating than someone talking.
0: Yeah, I think you need something familiar with music if you're running through a low point especially because you don't want to be worrying about what maybe getting annoyed by a song you don't like coming on yeah
1: isn't that funny like we have such like fine tuned i don't know preferences when you're running and anything can annoy you if it's not quite right
0: yeah yeah (laughs) i know i like i i avoid thinking about work as much as i can like when i'm running an ultra because it makes me so angry
1: (laughs) yeah i think that's probably a good policy (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, so do you consider yourself to be like, or actually, do you like enjoy the mental side of the ultra running and getting through the mental fight and the low points and stuff like that? Do you like look forward to that?
1: Yeah, I I do enjoy it. I don't know if I I would say I look forward to it. I think there's still that element of fear. And I'd say the thing that I'm most nervous about going into a race is the pain. And I don't know why, because all my previous experiences that I can get through the pain and that things will be fine, but I think you do still get nervous about it just because mm-hmm. you don't know what will be the nature of the pain. Is it sort of an injury pain? Is it a sharp pain? Is it just an aching? I and mean, when will it set in? And how how hard will it be? But I think that's the that's the challenge of doctors, isn't it? That's yeah. what you you go and do it for.
0: Yeah, I had. Um, Different pain. This was the first time, usually I usually like get muscle aches and pains, but this one I was getting them in my, like, knee joints and ankle joints, and I'm not sure why it was.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Perhaps it was the, the surface. I did find my knees were a bit painful. That's not super unusual but it was a, an interesting surface i don't think i've ever done a run on pavers before
0: <laughs> yeah you needed to when it got dark you needed to be careful because there were some lumpy spots
1: yeah definitely yeah you could suddenly put your foot in a bit of a hole or yeah. running down that ramp off the bridge it wasn't a straight gradient it kind of had um, steeper bits and flatter bits and so because you don't have very good depth perception when you got the head torch on yeah. quite often I would sort of misstep and nearly trip myself up on that when I was getting really tired. so yeah, that was an an extra challenge of that course, I think
0: yeah and was twelve hours not long enough for you to have like any like like mild hallucinations or anything never like
1: had that? hallucinations yet that's um something I'm looking forward to in the master's back out or track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know if I'm looking forward to it because some people get nice ones and some people get scary ones. So, um, yeah. but yeah, it'll be an experience that I've I've never had that yet. Have you? Yeah.
0: Um, I, I I kind of have, but not nothing too vivid. It's kind of just like shadows look like things, like yeah. shadows might look like faces, or just the pattern, like the patterns in the pavers, like in the twelve, LA, like yeah. they did look weird.
1: yeah okay um,
0: just things like that you can just picking up shapes and stuff like that and it may i mean i think it's probably normal to probably start thinking slightly weird stuff as well when you're running that long yeah
1: definitely
0: so but yeah i loved it i think i'll probably go back again yeah yeah, yeah, it was a good trip it was a good trip i hadn't really been to adelaide like before so
1: did you do much other running or was just in for the race and
0: then out again? Yeah, in and out. We got there the night before and then left like four or five hours after the race. Oh
1: wow, that's a quick trip. No, you have to come to Adelaide and do some trail running. there's absolutely amazing trail running in Adelaide.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah because um, yeah, because I, I was booked in to do that devil's lair So oh, that's yes. why. When that got cancelled, I had flights so booked uh, in for it. I may as well just use them for something and i saw the 12-hour race and i love the timed events and i thought it would be good practice with for the 24 hours i think it's good backyard ultra practice too
1: yeah yeah i hope so i think it's a good time efficient way of getting your body to that stage where you're really dealing with the hurt because it is hard to find that in it i mean training for a backyard (laughs) ultra you, you don't have 30 hours to go and practice well I don't anyway maybe you do if you're a professional runner or something but um yeah so it's hard to simulate that pain and ha- make a strategy for how you would get through it um so yeah I think you're right doing the time-based ultras gets you there a lot quicker um yeah so that's that's a good one and yeah I'll look forward to to doing the 24 hour one day
0: yeah yeah <laughs> um so you you don't it sounds like you're like you're You want to try everything as far as ultra running goes you don't at this point in time you don't have a particular direction that you're looking at going right
1: no i think well i'm fairly new to ultra running i suppose um in the scheme of things and i haven't tried everything so i just want to try all formats and see what appeals the most i mean i do i really love my trail running but also here in renmark it's not that practical because we've got no hills we've got no trails we've got yeah, zero elevation. Um, at the moment, we've barely got any sealed roads because of the floods. <laughs> so um, I've got to sort of make the most of what I have to train with, and I suppose that lends itself more to a road marathon or a time-based ultra um, than it does to trail at this stage, which is unfortunate. Um, but I will—I try and get down to Adelaide. We probably go on average once a month. Um, so yeah, I try and get down there and, and do some trail running, but. Yeah, who knows, um, maybe we'll move to a location that's a bit more conducive to trail running in the future. <laughs>
0: um, did you? How did you pull up after that 12-hour race, like immediately after and hours after? Like,
1: um, I felt really sick. I think because my nutrition hadn't been going well for the last few hours, I just felt really nauseous and I said to my partner if, if we have to pull over on the way home and I have to lean out and vomit we we'll probably get pulled over and breath tested because it's Saturday morning and people yeah. think I've been out on the town all night but um, no I didn't vomit and I'd actually this is typical me I'd organize have a brunch with some girlfriends at about eight o'clock um, so we waited around for the presentations and by that time I was really cold and feeling quite ill um, but we had we went home and just had a shower and um went out for for breakfast and then went home and and tried to sleep but I was in quite a bit of pain from my legs so I don't think I slept very well was yeah. pretty restless but probably better than having to get on a plane straight away
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, we probably should have stayed an extra night I reckon
1: <laughs> maybe <laughs> well that's something you've learned for next time
0: <laughs> yeah and you mentioned that like your legs were like blown up like balloons
1: yeah, the day oh, probably Monday night. Yeah, just so swollen my feet and my legs. Yeah, I've never seen them like that. I guess it's just like a sort of inflammation response to the damage you've done to your muscles. I guess, um, but yeah, that that was interesting. It took a couple of days to go away.
0: Yeah, but I, I think the good thing is like you you actually like you really know, one hundred percent that you gave, you absolutely rinsed yourself. Like you couldn't have given any more. When that kind of stuff happens i guess
1: yeah that's right no i um, i was happy with the effort i could see the improvements could certainly be with the nutrition strategy because i really had no idea what i was doing there and never having practiced anything like that before mm-hmm. and um i could have been quicker through the aid station i think i probably yeah slowed down a little bit too much um whereas i, I could have probably skipped you know i ended up was changing my bottles out every lap or something which i really probably didn't need to do oh. in the end so i think i could probably i could i could do it again or well, i could certainly do it on a athletics track and go further
0: yeah um, yeah i was going to yeah. say that like you would <laughs> you would kill it on an athletics track
1: yeah. yeah but the thing is the recovery afterwards is so long um that it sort of um impairs you from doing any other events for quite a bit afterwards whereas i was able to run pretty much straight after that backyard ultra i didn't have Mm. any issues at all so yeah you've got to kind of plan out your season knowing which events are gonna take the biggest toll on you i suppose
0: yeah well it must have the backyard ultra must have like you must have had a fair bit of juice left like if you managed to go out and do break the australian record just a few weeks after
1: yeah, I think so. I think I did have a lot in the tank. I think I fueled really well in that race, so I didn't come out of it with any deficits um, like that. And I think that also mentally I was just so angry about what happened that I had a lot of fuel for the fire in that respect as well. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. There, but the other thing I was thinking, like, when you mentioned slowing down when you're getting drinks from the crew, like I think that's kind of a mental thing as well because I was always, whenever I was going past the aid station, I was using that as an excuse to have, like, stop and get a lolly or slow down and stuff like that, um, when I probably didn't really need to. So I wish, I I kind of wish I got 100 Ks, but next time.
1: Yeah, exactly. You've got to have something to aim for. And actually, maybe it's a good thing that you do slow down. Maybe in the long run, that kind of helps because, I mean, I don't know how you pace a 24-hour. You can probably tell me, but I've read that people have a walking, running strategy right from the word go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe that slowing down through the aid station is a way to um, moderate your effort for the whole duration.
0: Yeah. Well I reckon you can kind of, I mean, I'm still a beginner, but I reckon you can... Definitely use a Backyard Ultra strategy in a 24-hour race because, like, for example, r- run 8Ks an hour and then walk yeah. until 8Ks in 50 minutes, for example, then walk for 10 minutes and just keep on doing that until until you can't anymore or something. Yeah.
1: Know. Would it be unusual to see someone try and run the entire time?
0: Um. I don't know I know that the one I'm doing the one I'm doing in April though like there's some really good runners doing it so I'll pick up some more tips in that yeah Yeah. definitely
1: yeah Uh,
0: I'm pretty sure that like that yeah look I'm looking forward to seeing it that's for sure
1: yeah yeah it seems amazing to me that people can do that like the amount of kilometers like phil gore for example in 24 hours that's just phenomenal yeah
0: um, he can do it all can't he
1: yeah yep, yep.
0: <laughs> <referenced it>. yeah yeah <laughs> I, I think
1: the women's world record for 24 is camille Herron. she's done about 270. right just just insane I that's can't the world that. record is it yeah yeah i'm pretty sure yeah, yeah
0: the um then there's a six day race in Adelaide as well
1: yeah, yeah that's true <laughs> no <laughs> not yet anyway no I'm I'm limiting myself to uh 100 miles or 24 hours for the next year or so at least I think
0: yeah, just cool.
1: trying not to get too ahead of myself um I'm, I'm 34 which for most like sports is old but for ultra running I think that's fairly young so yeah. i I reckon
0: that's the perfect age to start (laughs) to start doing it i reckon yeah
1: yeah it's working well so far
0: (laughs) i can't wait to see see what else you do because i was absolutely blown away watching you um break that record it was it was amazing like you were lapping me like every 15 minutes (laughs) you just didn't stop and you were going the same pace the whole time it was the most amazing thing i've ever seen like in real life thank
1: you <laughs> that's, that's lovely of you to say yeah yeah, but yeah
0: it, was, it was so good everyone was like she is amazing like i i couldn't i couldn't believe my eyes
1: inside I was just wondering you know when when's this gonna when is the shit gonna hit the fan like I can't surely I cannot just keep going at this pace but I think my body's pretty good at picking up on okay this is the pace So we're just gonna sit on that all day and after a few laps I didn't even have to look at my watch anymore and I would still come in on exactly the same time and I don't even know how I'm doing that it just happens
0: yeah, yeah. were you thinking kind of like oh. Uh, were you like doing much mental uh, maths, like thinking, oh, <laughs> like after one one hour, you're thinking, okay, eleven more of those, and stuff. Yes, like that. heaps
1: heaps of mental maths, and yeah. um, I'm not very good at maths, so that took up a lot of my energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, well, it it does pass the time, but then also I had to keep reminding myself, don't get ahead of yourself, like don't just say in the present it doesn't really matter it doesn't matter how far you've gone or how long you've got left to do just keep running you'll know when it's done yeah
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that was awesome um yeah all the best in the future as well I'll be watching all the races do hopefully I'll be joining you in the Masters hopefully
1: yeah hopefully that'd be great and, and um, i'm sure i'll see you around at other races at yeah some
0: point. for sure yeah. yeah well thanks for coming on
1: oh you're welcome thanks i <laughs> it's been great
0: yeah yeah awesome well enjoy the rest of your day and um, i hope you are feeling well enough you can start running soon
1: yeah thank you me too <laughs> all
0: right have a good one see ya uh, bye If you've enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you could share, comment, like, subscribe, all of that. If you've got any feedback, shoot me a message. Hope you have a great day. See ya.